Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, everybody. Nice to see you. This week, we've got a great show planned for you. We're going to try to cram it all into an hour. We are going to learn to convert an old laptop computer into a Chromebook. Exciting! It's going to cost you zero. Also, Sasha, we're going to have the discussion about how LibreOffice 6.1 is treating you and if it's really up there with Microsoft Office or not. We're going to have the discussion in just a few moments' time. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome back for another week here at Category 5 Technology TV. It's so great to see you. I hope you've been having a wonderful week. I can't believe it's November already. <gasps> I, know. I know. Just like that. Like that. You mm-hmm. pay the rent and then the rent's due again. It's... Come on now. That is the life of an adult. Yeah. Pretty much how it goes. Just to introduce ourselves, if you're new here, I'm Robbie. I'm Sasha. And I'm Jeff. Jeff? Sorry, did you? Yep. Who said that? <gasps> Our dreams have I come know. true. I know. Jeff. I've been gone forever and a day. It People who like just it. started watching in season 12 are like, who's that guy? I know. Who's Sa- that charming ginger? Sadly, this is the first uh, episode I've been on this season because work has been so insanely busy. What have you been up to? Everything. Everything. Everything and wow. anything, essentially. Fetching coffees. Uh, no, not quite. Actually, I've been traveling across the province for the most part doing oh, yeah. contracts and stuff like wow. that. So it's been, you know, uh, very, very busy and living in hotels. And I heard that you had some vacay in there somewhere. I, Actually, this week I is vacay. heard the same. This week? It's this week. And that's why <gasps> he's yep. here. Yep. Well, I did have vacay, vacay two weeks ago, but okay. right now it's vacay and that's why I'm here. Oh, I wasn't okay. here two weeks ago because I was out of the country. Where were you? Uh, well, we went to Washington, D.C., then Myrtle Beach, and then West Virginia. One guy that gets around. Nice. sounds like a really busy vacation. Like, yeah. not Actually, a was really relaxed. Was okay. it? It was really, really good. Were you uh, on a boat? No, no, we drove. You drove? So we drove to Washington. Uh, everything there is free, except for parking, food, and lodgings. Um, so, like, we got to check out... So what's free? Like, all the attractions. Oh, right. Smithsonian, oh. all that kind of stuff. What? Yeah! No! Yeah, it was amazing. Really? Yes. That sounds cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was great, and the kids absolutely loved it, and uh, they loved the Night at the Museum movies, and so the second one is Battle of the Smithsonian. So the whole time we're walking around the Museum of Natural History, which the second uh, um, movie took place in, yes. my daughter's walking around with piece of pen or a piece of paper and a pen and she's journaling everything she's seeing because one of her friends from school wants to know if the magic tablet that makes everything come to life at night is there and can she draw it so we didn't find that tablet but we did find an egyptian tablet that i took a picture of and we printed off when we got home and they were super excited but uh yeah then we went to myrtle beach and just chilled at the beach and had fun for a couple of days just relaxing and then visited some friends in west virginia that's fantastic. And did an early trick or treat. Their oh, community early. does yeah, their community do does trick or treat on the Saturday before Halloween. 
Oh, Where's that's this? smart. In West Virginia. In West Virginia. Yeah, just in the, the little town of Ridgely. And, uh, and so if it's huh. bad weather, then they'll move it to the Sunday night. And if it's bad weather, then they'll move it to the Halloween night. But this way, you've got people who don't have to worry about school or oh, weather. Right. You get three kicks at the game. Jeff, it was great. Take me home country roads. It was amazing. That is great. Oh, that's awesome. You know awesome. what? West that's Virginia smart. is one of the only places in the States I've been to. And really? the reason why I went to West Virginia was I bought myself a mountain bike. And then I thought I, I should probably mountain bike on a mountain so i drove to west so you virginia took your bike to west <laughs> yeah virginia? exactly wow. that's drove some to west dedication right there and there are some mountains there i'll tell yeah. you uh-huh. yeah yeah that was way more intense than i had intended i should have started with like oh, snow valley here i feel here. so sheltered like, i love I the mountains gotten, i love i'd love to hear there. from <laughs> those of you who are watching in west virginia or the surrounding area and uh, just say hey yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know last year when I was down there hunting, there was some uh, a viewer after the when I came back, and they're like, "Oh, I'm like half an hour from there," and oh, yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember who it was because I was going to mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I'm nearby," but right, I forgot who it was, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about you. He didn't forget. It's not you. It's you. me. No, I forgot your name. <laughs> That's right. There's Oopsie. a lot of folks watching the show. Yeah. Tonight. Um, but what about you guys? What, what have you been doing? Because, you know, I feel like it's been years. We had a normal Halloween, but you know what? It was nice because it was not raining the one night. So, so that's right. right. Marshman was here. Um, oh, Darryl that's right. I miss Marshman. I know. Oh. I know. Oh. It was like. It was awesome. It, it was awesome, but it was like rain the whole time. Yeah. So it, it really felt like it's like welcome to our country. And it's like the most miserable fall weather ever. And could have been so worse. Could have been snow. Came. Halloween came, just so you know, and then uh, October 31st, it rained all day long, Mm -hmm. and then when we had the kids out, it was all right. It was dry. See, I missed it. So it it was all right. I was way away from here. Kids had a fun time. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys get trick-or-treaters coming to your door, or do you miss them all? I had a really good turnout at our place. Yeah. Um, So we always miss them. Because we're out with the kids, so we never... Oh, right. So you put the bowl out? No. No? No. We've tried that, so we, we, we... do the like answer the door when pe- kids are coming around and you might get three or four kids but then strangely if you put out a bowl full of candy it disappears it will all be gone go so like, figure when you put out the bowl you mm-hmm. get thousands of kids it's amazing it's or just one kid with thousands of sugar rushes all it takes is three kids and one teenager <laughs> pretty much yes <laughs> see i like the fact that they don't come to the door because then i've got candy to snack on Dave does that. <laughs> yeah. Dave, he we're I guess weathered. I usually work late enough that I don't get to hand out candies because I'm home after the trick or treaters have oh, come okay. and gone. Right. But if it's nice weather, he'll go and sit out in the driveway because we we rent a basement apartment. So he'll go sit in the driveway and hang out with the kids and hand out candy. Wears mask and right and yeah, just okay. have a good cool. old time. Yeah. If it's bad weather, then he sits inside at home eating the candy because oh, oh. the kids don't know to find us there anyway. Like, no. they wouldn't seek out our door. They go to the upstairs neighbor. Right. That's true, yeah. Right? So yeah. we either aggressively find the kids to give them candy right. or we eat it ourselves. This See, you know what? Like, a little bit of I, the, both. The yeah. thing I miss about Halloween is you can't go all out with the super crazy scare the kids tactics anymore. It's just not. It's not. It's, it's not socially acceptable. Like I remember, you can't chase them with katanas. It's just. Well, okay, not far off. No. I rem- I remember sitting out front in a chair with a like a coverall suit stuffed with um, straw, so it's sticking out everywhere. Yeah. So they. So I look like I'm a scarecrow. 
legit pumpkin on my head <laughs> holding an axe. Right. Oh goodness, and then as people yeah. come to the door, it's like, <laughs> the kids take off. You can't do that now because it's like somebody's got, you know, get me with an axe. That said, now you can, like, for 300 bucks, you can buy, like, a... Uh, an animatronic. Yeah, thing. I know. It's I not saw, as fun. I did see one. It was like it was like a scarecrow, and it's holding the bowl, and it's just like this, and it's just a scarecrow. It just looks innocent enough. Yeah. And you fill the bowl with candy, and the bowl has a hidden motion sensor. Okay. And uh. as soon as a kid reaches in to grab it, this thing just goes. Ah! Like that. <laughs> it's amazing. It just immediately. <laughs> Like, That's the best. Unreal. Love it. Yeah, I love it. So you get that kind of thing these days. Yeah, it's got to be animatronic or Raspberry Pi powered. That's true. So we had fun. What are you up to technologically wise? Are you doing anything with tech these days? Uh, I've been actually ripping apart, not literally, but uh, redoing all of my Raspberry Pis and my Odroid. Okay. Trying to just clean up the system because I've got Rebuild the... the OS, get the... That's right. Because gotcha. gotcha. I've got the Plex Pi, I've got the uh, Turtle Miner, I've got okay. um, the Retro Pi. So kind of doing a refresh and updating nice. those. And I recreated, if you can call it that, my Bluetooth issue from two years ago. Oh, you brought it where, back, did you? Well, yeah, like where I've reinstalled everything and now it won't connect to the Bluetooth devices. What and have I'm you like, come on! What have you gone and done? So I don't remember what we did to fix it. Do you uh, recall? I don't know. I laid okay. hands on it or something. <laughs> See, I went through past episodes because I'm like, I know it's we talked in, about it. We yeah. talked about it. It's in an episode. Let's I remember the, the conversation <laughs> vaguely. Right, but the thing is, I don't think it was the main feature. It was kind of like the banter at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, sure. So it didn't get tagged with anything. So it's like everything we're talking about right now. It's just going to get lost. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes. Into Let's the make abyss. Sure it's not very good. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out why my Bluetooth won't connect. All right. Because when they're plugged in, it shows up, but then I unplug and it's like, oh, I can't find it. I think it's got oh. something to do with not recognizing the MAC address. Uh. I don't know. I'd have to look at it again, Jeff. Yeah. Bring so. it back in. But that's uh, what I'm doing. You mentioned TurtleCoin. Yes. So you're mining TurtleCoin. Uh, I was. You were. Until, well, uh, the pool we were using changed their algorithm. Yeah. I just haven't updated. I was going to ask, what pool are you using right now? I, well, you haven't I, updated. No, I haven't updated since mm-hmm. the, the pool closed down. And I, actually, the last couple of days, I've been noticing that on the TurtleCoin uh, Discord, they're saying everybody spread out the pools you're in. Yes. Because there's two main pools that everybody's hashing to. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait till this is resolved. Mm-hmm. It's a tough situation because you get, so crypto mining, you know, people with their devices using CPU, GPU mining to get crypto coin. Mm-hmm. So you've got turtle coin, for example, is really, really easy to mine because it's so plentiful right now. Right. So um, what happens, Jeff, is everybody centralizes their mining power into a particular pool. Right. Because the more mining power there is the more likely you are to get payouts right and the higher the payouts and the more frequent the payouts right so who chooses a pool that only has 10 miners exactly no, you go for the one that has 10,000 yeah. miners because you know you're going to get payouts right and we had been using a smaller pool yes and it was working great and then it went defunct and so yeah. all of our hash power was being discarded so we're not actually monetizing any of that not not getting any payouts from that which mm-hmm. is really disappointing um so unfortunately um stay away from mining garden mm-hmm. um so now if you reinstall our uh, cat5 tv miners then you'll be able to mine to our current pool which admittedly is one of the Main pools? Yeah, one of the, big, <laughs> one of the bigger pools. Because we just That's don't want to take happens. that risk, and it's a tough thing. It's, I wonder if there's a way to program the miner so that once a pool, like if it pings the pool, I don't even know if that's the way it works, 
you know, and after it gets over a certain many people that are hashing to it, sure. that it switches to a different pool? You can set up multiple pools in oh, your okay. miner. And by doing so, it will fail over to the other pools. But oh, okay. um, programmatically, yeah, we could work that out. But as it is, it's really... Uh, so, so the problem with centralization with cryptocurrency, if everyone's mining to one pool, then the other pools are not getting the hash power, so they're not able to get any blocks. Right. Or it takes a very long time to get blocks, and so all the blocks are happening mm -hmm. in this one central server. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, well, that's great. That's where I want to mine because they're getting all the blocks. Well, if that one server is getting all the blocks or a majority of the blocks, how can I say? Well, with but those blocks are also being digital. Spread, up, spread up against everybody. But if they're not mm -hmm. spread, if they're, if they're, yeah, in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, like if you and I were in the same pool and Sasha was there, we would all get a portion of that block. But here's the But problem. it's a smaller portion compared to if it was just a few of us in the pool. It takes a little bit longer, but then we get yeah. a bigger portion. It all equalizes. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is that if it's all in one place, that one place will not be able to pay out. Right. That's why, like, mine together is giving 500 turtle at a time. You can't increase your threshold for payouts because they just can't handle it because they have so much mining power. They're getting so many blocks, like a block every 30 seconds. So in, when they pay out to the thousands of miners that are connected to their pool, it's a massive payout. Yes. Like you think about electronic banking. Mm -hmm. and these are like payouts going out to all these miners. And so they have to keep those payouts really, really small. Otherwise, they're going to like, they're going to, basically frees up the blockchain. Yeah, and you can't to, do that. Yeah, they won't be able to. So by s decentralizing, using other pools, moving our hash power to other pools, it gives an opportunity for kind of a, the whole turtle coin network to yeah. sigh some relief and, and hopefully kind of decentralize a little bit. Now, you know what's neat about this is as I'm working through my Raspberry, uh, or switching to my Odroid today, uh, to get switching it, to switching to because I was mining with a Raspberry Pi. Now well, so I'm going to use the now I'm going to use the Odroid because right. I want to get more hashes out. Probably of it. about four times the hash rate. Yes, maybe two or three at least. But what I like is that the Odroid has very little power draw, and I and hopefully I'm not you know ruining a news story later today because I don't know what they are. But I saw yesterday they announced how much Bitcoin is caused t taking up an energy cost. Oh, it's oh. now mm. more costly from an energy standpoint to mine Bitcoin than it is to mine gold. Mm. It's cheaper Unreal. to mine gold than it is Bitcoin now. That's incredible. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've got a little Odroid working on turtle coins, so just I'm good with that. So is this why we mine Monero and Ethereum yeah. and turtle coin and Stellite? That and is why. Not so much Bitcoin because it's so expensive to mine yeah. Bitcoin. Right. But it makes you go, why would you then invest in a Bitcoin mining facility when just go mine gold? It's cheaper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Cannon probably more plentiful. Yeah, Bitcoin. but I mean, when you put it in context like that, it's like, oh my goodness. Is that really what it's come to? So I'm so glad that I'm mining turtle coin with my yeah. Odroid. Working out. Yeah. 500 turtle coin at a time. That's right. We're <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. That's it. That's it. Now we One need a day. rabbit coin. <laughs> That's the one I'm gonna mine. Rabbit coin. You gotta be quick. You gotta be quick. <laughs> That's, right. That's the thing. Yeah. Tech. Anything new in your tech world? You know, yes. It, there mm -hmm. has been something new, and what it's funny. It? And some of you may know this, but this week at work, I was trying to change over the documents in my 
system that I print for patients to fill out. So they were created as a Word document, but I was opening it in a LibreOffice scenario and it was askew. Like there was every, all of the text was everywhere and I thought, okay, I can do this. So I like, I changed fonts. I moved things back. I used little wingding characters for checkboxes because I couldn't figure out where the checkboxes were. I pressed save, went back in, nothing saved. Oh. So. Oh, and you did all the work. I did all the work. So then I I messaged in the chat room. I'm like, guys, what am I doing wrong? On our Discord. Right? And so then I found out I was using the wrong checkboxes. So I thought, okay, well, that must be the thing. So I go in, redo it all again. Oh. Because nothing saved. And it didn't clue into me like nothing saved, right? It wasn't just the checkboxes none of my changes right so i go back in and i change it all again and then i put in i i i couldn't insert the checkboxes this is where all of a sudden it all came to a head i i asked i asked what what am i doing wrong and it was in some obscure spot not obscure actually but for me it was so i i tried to insert it and i couldn't insert these little tick boxes and so I was pulling my hair out and I messaged again in Discord and mostly because I wanted to figure it out alone, which was never actually going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie remoted in. He, you found that I just had an old LibreOffice. You had that- an old version of LibreOffice installed. Now, a couple things were true about your scenario. One, you've got a new computer. Right. So it was really easy to upgrade. Okay. Because having a new computer, you're, you're, you're able to install the latest and greatest software. Right. right. So we were able to get on to LibreOffice.org, download the new version, install it. Mm-hmm. Versus like my home computer, I built it two years ago almost, a year and a half ago. Ooh, that's like ancient. In- installed Ubuntu at that time, and it wasn't an LTS, and so it's right. already EOL. There's no updates to it, and I really need to upgrade it but in order to do that i need to pull the hard drive put in a new hard drive install yeah. windows do a dual boot with linux because i want the kids to be able to use both and lots of know, work it, it's a multi-tenant environment i've got five people using that computer mm-hmm. your system was breezy because it's a new computer right new os so i just simply uninstalled LibreOffice, installed 6.1 installed the stuff that we had shown previously on Category 5 to make it operate and look and feel a lot more like uh, Microsoft Office. Right. Which, incidentally, if you go onto YouTube, if you go onto just anywhere on YouTube, do a search, uh, simply search for making LibreOffice more like Microsoft Office, you'll find that video. And how has that been for you? It's been great. Okay, so... So it turns out, like, I, I was raised in, like, Microsoft Office. So, you were raised in it. Well, I was raised in it. I was in the office. Um, so <laughs> for me, digital, it's actually. so intuitive because those, are, those little differences are things that I guess just make sense to how I, I learned the system. Right. The paradigm is similar to what you learned. Exactly. Yeah. So then I could find what I was looking for is slightly easier. Um, and then, like, the 47 checkboxes per page that I had to insert were super easy. Saved it. Went back in. No problem. And, it and was keeping in mind, Sasha, you're saving this in Word format, not in ODT. That's correct. Because I want it to be 
available across the whole clinic for anybody right. to open and print. Because so, some of the doctors have legitimate copies of Microsoft Office. And some of... I the see. workers do not. But I'm happy not to. I really, really, really like LibreOffice, which is why I was really trying to get the answer myself. I so badly wanted to figure it out, but it was Monday morning. <laughs> I hadn't had enough coffee. I was lucky. Thank you so much, Marshman, for all of your kind words as well. <laughs> because I, I'm pretty sure that that computer was going to go through the window if I had to change a checkbox again. Right. <laughs> When I am going to make changes like that to a file, yeah, I'll do a couple of changes, and then I'll save it, and mm -hmm. then I'll open it again, yep. yeah. and just see if it worked. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I have been there too many times where I'll do all the work, and this yes. is what you did. I'll do all the work, then I'll save it, and it's not there. I'm not even, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not do that what you did right, yeah. but i went even further there is more than one document i changed i changed them all oh, like a yeah. file folder oh. of all of the possible progress exams oh. all of the marking sheets learn from this okay changed it all spent uh, like hours and then went to open them and thought did I not save? This just sounds so painful. Like, <laughs> It's so funny. Uh, Jeff says to me, I saw you. I walked past the clinic and I saw you and you were smiling. I was like, it must not have been Monday morning. <laughs> no, it was, it was today. Yeah. I was going to the gym. Oh. Yep. Uh, question quickly in, uh, in our Discord. The Foo saying, I thought MS Word reads ODT just fine. This is a question. Uh, and I uh -huh. think if you have a reasonably current version, Microsoft Word, um, I don't know, like 2013 or something, 2012, <laughs> if you have 20, uh, 2007 or earlier, it's not going to support ODT. Definitely mm -hmm. not. But I know um, I have... So it, it, one of the organizations that I'm involved with, some of our laptops have LibreOffice. Some of them have legit purchase copies of Microsoft Office. Sure. And I know that when I create a document in ODT and they switch over and they open it in their 2013 version mm -hmm. of Word, it does not fully translate properly. Mm -hmm. There's something within the formatting margins that always goes wonky so i would say it's not a clean transition right. but generally they can it's kind of funny that i feel more confident to open a word document and save a word document in LibreOffice Libre that i can feel is going to be yes. openable and usable on microsoft office as well as LibreOffice right. versus the scenario the other way around yep a LibreOffice document being opened and saved in Microsoft Office. Yes. And it's funny because like with all we purchased four laptops yes. and I put Libre on all of them because I'm like, hey, look, we don't have to buy licenses. Sure. This is great. Yeah. This is cheap. And two of uh, the individuals kept sending documents back and forth between their home computer and they're like, oh, it just doesn't open properly. Oh, yes. so, they got fr so they went in and spot spent the money and bought these licenses and I'm like, guys, really? Because yeah. they just couldn't handle the transition. Microsoft just couldn't open it properly. Yeah. Now that I've tackled this, I'm tackling Calc because we have some Excel. Right. We have some Excel 
spreadsheets. I love Excel. I get excited about Excel. And we print them out for patients on on the daily. And I can't open them right now because I have calc. And when I go to print them, it prints like 25% on the page. Like it scales it Mm. right down. But now that I have tackled... You feel ready? This. I feel ready for another, maybe I'll wait till Monday. Monday's my lucky day. <laughs> I'm, I'm a spreadsheet junkie, so if you need a hand, you let me okay. know. Okay. I feel like we're at that point with LibreOffice 6.1 where it's really getting very good at compatibility. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got a great word processor. We've got a great spreadsheet application. And then some. It's got presentations for doing PowerPoint presentations and things like that. Right. Um, so it's a great application. Now, with 6.1, we're getting more and more great compatibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. So are you finding, just to wrap up, are you finding that it feels more like Microsoft Office and is more compatible with other systems in the, in the office? Yes, to both. Okay. Yeah. That's a win. Give it a try, yeah. LibreOffice.org. It's a free download for Windows, Mac, and Linux. And if you've got anything older than 6.1... Just note, you probably want to upgrade. You're going to get those latest and greatest features to make them compatible. Do it. It's worth it. (laughs) Definitely worth it. Indeed. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we are going to be learning how to take an old laptop and turn it into a Chromebook. Ooh. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and it's episode number 581. Nice to see you. I'm Robbie. Sash is here. Jeff's here. It's the whole gang. Mm-hmm. And tonight we are learning to repurpose that old hardware. Yes. Do you have any old laptops kicking around? I do. Do you? Uh, I think my laptop is about nine years old. Yeah. I've got that old netbook that you used to use here. Now I've got you yes. set up with a, uh, an old refurb that I put up here for yep. you for tonight. Um, the netbook was so aged. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, it's an Acer Aspire 1. And I don't know if it's good enough to continue using, but even with Linux on it, even Linux feels too heavy on it. Yes. Oh. And I think that's because we're at that point now where even Linux, in a lot of cases, I know there are things like DSL and, and stuff that's built for older hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lubuntu is another good example, Ubuntu. But really, to have a fully functional Linux desktop, it takes more resources than those things have. Right. Yep. Chromebooks okay. are becoming more and more popular because they can use lesser hardware. Mm-hmm. But the operating system is so incredibly streamlined that it doesn't rely so much on the hardware that you're using. It instead relies more on the cloud, on Mm -hmm. software Mm -hmm. as a service, on 
being able to tap into the virtual infrastructure that is Google. Right. right, so if I was using like a Chromebook, I would use Google Docs, stuff like that. You absolutely it? can, yeah. And so yeah. by doing that, Google, um, well, you use like Drive and you use hmm. their uh, Docs platform and you use their built-in stuff to do documentation, spreadsheets, all that stuff. Right. It saves it in the cloud, but it also utilizes their network infrastructure, their right. server environment to run the software in your browser. Which is good. So it means even if you have a slow computer, as long as you've got a pretty good internet connection, the software is just as fast as it would be on a very fast computer. Right. Because it's not relying on the computer itself. True that. I'm going to do a quick search online for Chromebook. And I know that any of the Chromebooks that are available for purchase are probably pretty decent, right? Uh, but there's, the first one is 1600 bucks. What else have we got? The new Chromebooks. So there's one for... See, this is where things start to get unreal. 249 bucks. 649 $1299. Okay, that's getting a little... Hey, maybe I just want to... Uh, See, at that price, you might as well just buy a laptop. You may as well buy a laptop and put Linux on it, yeah. But that three, uh, that 249 whoa. Here's one for 499 Okay. Here's one for 299 Yeah, I can, I can swallow that. So... Here's the thing that you've got to ask yourself. So people say, okay, well, with a Chromebook, mm -hmm. I can't install software. I can't right. put my regular applications on. And this is a wonderful time for Linux lovers because the paradigm is shifting. The paradigm has almost shifted to the point where it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Okay? And when I say that, what I mean is Linux as an alternate to Microsoft Windows. Right. An argument has been out there for some years saying, oh, but I can't install insert name of application that normally is for Microsoft Windows on Linux. Right. Whether or not that's true, you can use Wine, you can use VirtualBox, whatever, mm -hmm. but that's been an argument. So now with things like Chrome OS and I'll, I'll say it, let's say iPads. Okay. Android tablets, smartphones. Mm -hmm. Let's look at those. Android tablets, smartphones, your Samsung phone. Yep. What's powering it? Google. Electricity. Android. <laughs> Android being powered by Google's right. infrastructure and operating yep. system. Yeah. Um, so again, it falls into, hey, this operating system is so streamlined that even on this hardware, which is not very powerful compared to my massive desktop computer, it runs really, really well. Right. Yes. So now take that and put it into a laptop and say, okay, here's a Chromebook. So, yeah, you can't install the same applications that you can install on Windows, but we're used to that right. because we've been using our smartphones, we've been using our tablets. We're starting to get used to that paradigm where, all right, we find applications that work on this platform and what works for us is great. So, all right, I can spend 249 and I can get a, a decent little Chromebook. Or I'll go back to my first question. How many of us have a couple of old laptops kicking around? Right. I do. And so... So let's take a look. Cloud Ready is an operating system that you can download and install absolutely free on your old hardware. Now, I say old hardware because this will repurpose your old hardware into a mock Chromebook. Okay. So if you've got an old laptop, you can turn it into a Chromebook. And so I say old hardware. 
that's a great use case. Mm -hmm. If you have new hardware and you just love that, maybe you don't use anything other than the internet. How many <laughs> of us do anything other than our web browser these days? I, I know that there... Uh, I do. Right. I, mean, I, I know. You can comment. I, I'm going to get it. I, you, yeah, I mean, me, but many don't, right? I'm in a school situation right now yeah. where we use only Google Docs there you go. because not everybody has access or knowledge of anything else. So we just use Isn't the one. Isn't that cool? We have Your school is awesome because you think about that and you think, okay, well, the Google Docs is free. Right. Unless you're using a lot of it, it's free. Exactly. And if you're using a lot of it, it's like five bucks a month. Do you guys so, like use Google Docs to like hijack the teacher's notes? <laughs> you can the teacher it. uploads her notes. No, no, no. The, the like, latest thing with school now is people will load a web, um, the Word document and there'll be three people working on typing out and you'll almost get verbatim because one person types oh, out dear. quickly right. then the other people fall in line, correct the mistakes and then fill in the oh, gaps wow. and so you almost get a verbatim so that nobody else... Collaborative. Yes, it's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> Students are using it now so that they don't actually have to be oh. in class. All right. Oh. So looking... Okay. So it's, <laughs> a great way, it's a great way to hack your world. But, <laughs> Because a lot of the stuff, now I don't mean to generalize, and I know I'm going to get comments and people saying, well, I need to be able to install this and that. I know, I know. So same here. This, yeah, same this, here. this isn't for everyone. Well, this is for... May, maybe it is for everyone, but maybe not for every device. Right. Okay. My main computer, yeah, I need those extra applications. Yeah. But right. there are times when I want to just sit down with a cup of coffee and just get on my, my book face, get on to my email, do yeah. a couple of things online. And I don't need extra stuff, so why not repurpose old hardware? Right. But it will work on new hardware, too. So I don't want to give that impression that this is only for old hardware. No, it will work great on new hardware as well. Right. But this is not a dual-booting operating system. This is something that you install, and it is the exclusive operating system on the system. So on my laptop, I actually pulled my hard drive, and I put in a new hard drive in order to install oh, this okay. so that we could look at it tonight. So Cloud Ready uh, from Neverware is actually, um, it's like Chromium OS, but it's been streamlined and they've got a update process and they've got enterprise and, and education versions of the platform in order to bring Chrome OS to regular PC hardware. And by that, I mean, you do not have to buy new hardware. You can use that old stuff that you've got kicking around. If you're a school, you've got old computers kicking around. Yeah. This isn't just for laptops. You can put it on desktops as well. And it's absolutely free. So let's get started. Say hello to CloudReady. And you've got three different versions. Personal home use. Oh, uh, two, well, two buttons anyways, but three versions. Home use is free. So keep that in mind. This is for personal use only. Don't put this into a business. Um, education and enterprise. Well, you say, well, I just want to try it, so I want the free version for home. I don't want to buy the enterprise version. Well, the enterprise version has a free trial. So keep that in mm -hmm. mind. If you're looking for something for business or education use, still go to the business education, but request a free trial, and then you'll be able to check it out. It's like a buck per student, so it's not unreasonable. Wow, okay? So for personal home use, we can just get the free version. And it's a little different in its way of deploying. So you're going to read a little bit about it. I encourage you to do so and go through the hardware compatibility guide, which is going to allow you to search for your particular model, make sure that you are uh, compatible. Now, in order to install this, what I did is I actually downloaded the USB maker on Microsoft Windows on one of my computers. There is also a USB maker for Mac and Chromebook. So how is that different? It's not 
like an image file or an ISO file right. like we're used to. It's an actual image maker. So you download the software, which then creates a USB flash drive for you, very much how Windows 10 does it. Okay. And then that USB flash drive now becomes your boot disk in order to install the operating system. Okay. So as soon as I get it up and going for the first time off of my USB flash drive, all you're going to be greeted with is this kind of lower menu here. And if you click down at the bottom right, now I've already installed it here, but I, uh, you will have a button up at the top that says install cloud ready. And when I did that earlier today, I recorded the process just to show you how incredibly simple this is. So remember, it's going to wipe out everything on your computer. Here is as simple as it is. One click. I'm going to install. It's going to warn me at that point. Don't forget, this is going to wipe out everything on your computer. Are you sure? And I click next. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the entire install process. <laughs> That's it. That's as easy as it gets. On my old laptop like really old laptop. I have a, a very old tiny thing that I thought, hey, I'll try it out on, and yeah. it's breathing new life into it. Mm -hmm. It took about 25 minutes to install. On this bad boy with its i7 processor, <laughs> took about three minutes, and then wow. shuts down. So then I'm greeted with a black screen, and I'm, okay, well, what's going on here? It's just a blank screen. Right. And then I push the power button, and boom, cloud ready. Wow. And it's up on the screen, and here I am in... Chromium OS, just like that. So this is, in all essences, I've now converted, turned my laptop computer into a Chromebook. Wow. So this is built specifically to be like that cloud-based computer. So you've got access to your Gmail. You've got access to, now I've added that app. You've got Chromium installed out of the box. It even has the capability of installing things like VirtualBox, which on an older piece of hardware is kind of crazy. But what this does, now look at how easy that install process is. So what that does is it allows me to now, on a little bit better hardware, install other operating systems into Chrome, Chrome OS or mm -hmm. my Chromebook mm -hmm. so that if I'm limited in any way, now I'm not limited. I right. can install those Windows applications if I have Windows installed in VirtualBox, huh. for example. So it does not have the Google Play Store. However, we're able to install a lot of stuff. And you can get through here and you can, you can well, let's see what the web store says. So, oh, it is, uh, it's the Chrome web store. Okay, so very, very similar stuff. So you're able to install your Chrome OS apps just as you normally would. What I really do like about this especially when I think about using it on lesser hardware, is that when I set up my Gmail, when I set up even my, my background, my desktop wallpaper, mm. when I set that up on my old laptop at home, and then when I came into the studio today and I fired this one up having just installed it, everything was exactly the same because mm. it's in right. the cloud. Right. It's associated with my Google account. Right, okay. So no matter what... Chromebook cloud-ready cloud book that I use, right. whether it's a desktop or a laptop or whatever, I'm going to have my same setup, my same software, my same configuration, my same desktop wallpaper, even if it goes that far. Because right. so it's all cloud-based. You would just need an internet 
connection. That is correct. It. And would it matter what kind of internet connection or what speed or anything? Does it? Well, as you can expect, Sasha, if you have a very slow connection, which is becoming more and more rare these days, you're yeah. usually, even with LTE internet, like on your cellular phone, piggybacked off of your, like to your computer, you're, it's going to be fast. Fast mm -hmm. enough for in-browser document oh, okay. editing, right? Oh, okay. So I've actually transitioned most of my document editing to, um, to Google Drive. Oh, okay. So Google okay. Docs does all my editing. And right. then I'm able to share it with you guys. So you've got access right. to show notes right. and things like that. The stuff that we print is all done on Google, Google Docs now. Right. Now, what so about... Blokey, that should help. Like, not knowing how much data this would take up, is, does that, like, all of your files and your settings become part of your Google storage? Yes. Like, I think you get part, what, is it two gigs with Google? And as I say, if you go beyond your limits, it's, like, it's $5 a month to increase it to... Whatever it is, right. you'd have to look at the pricing. I, I don't know their pricing model. But, but that is something to be aware of. And, and the reason I think that I don't know the pricing model is because it's so cheap. Right. Well, it look, it's five bucks a month. That's all I pay, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it gives yeah. me email, calendar, storage, everything else. But exactly. I'm not a power user, if you will. But this has allowed me, CloudReady has allowed me to convert my laptop into a Chromebook mm -hmm. for free. Okay. I can't emphasize that enough. Now I've got new life into older hardware. That's my scenario. That's what I wanted it for. My newer hardware, I'm going to have full OSs on, like Linux or Windows right. or whatever else. But on my older hardware, I can put CloudReady on it, and now I've got a Chromebook that will sync with all of my Chrome OS okay. systems. Now, I know in Discord there is a bit of a conversation going on about patching and stuff, and I've never used a Chromebook. Mm -hmm. So how does updates work? Is it a, like you have to do a fresh uh, install or do you get an alert just like you would on your phone that says, hey, there's a software update updated? Well, this is one of the reasons I love Cloud Ready versus um, like just vanilla Chromium OS or, or one of the other options that are out there. Cloud Ready specifically, um, so the company, they're called Neverware. They have created uh, um, an update process. Okay. Or they haven't created it. It's based on Google's infrastructure. So Google... Right. Um, for their Chromebooks, push out updates. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But these are Chromebooks that you have to pay, you know, at least the cheapest one we found was 249 bucks. Some of them were 1300 You have to pay for those. So the infrastructure is there. So what Neverware has done is they've created a similar kind of server environment that updates their cloud-ready systems, but it does it a little bit behind Google. Okay. So when Google pushes out an update, it's bleeding edge. Well, consider it, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for bugs. There's a lot yes. of potential for problems and systems. Oh, so instead, the approach that Neverware has taken is to wait out the update a little bit, test it a little bit more internally, mm -hmm. then push it out to all their cloud-ready <laughs> systems. I like that. And then it comes ah. out on your system. It updates itself automatically. You're good to go. There's nothing I hate more than, hey, we've got an update, and you can't use your software until you update it. It's like, <laughs> but I don't want the bugs. Right. Or... Blue screen of death if you update. Yeah, well, I'm exactly. Just yeah. I'm just saying. These things happen. Yeah, exactly. So this is a really great option. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Check out neverwear.com, just like it sounds, neverwear.com, and grab Cloud Ready today. It is free for your home and personal use.
This weekend is the biggest sale of the year at GearBest. Double 11. Just in time for Christmas shopping. With massive savings and a billion dollars in coupon rain. GearBest. Double 11. This weekend at cat5.tv slash GearBest. Welcome back. During the break, we were just chatting a little bit about the use case of yeah. making a, basically a Chromebook. And, and I do see, like the Foo mentioning, that you can get used Chromebooks for like 80 bucks. Free. 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 <laughs> okay, just putting right. that out there. So you're mentioning about your, your children. and Yeah. So a year and a half ago when we were uh, going to start homeschooling our oldest, we were looking to, like I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, there's going to be some online stuff. Let's get a laptop for him. But we didn't want right. to buy a laptop. We thought maybe a Chromebook or something mm-hmm. like that. But the problem was at the time, a lot of his schooling came with CDs or there was oh, software right. that you install. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, uh, you know, that's not going to work. We actually need some. So we went out and built a desktop for him to use. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at this now because in the last year, all of his schooling has transitioned online or it's still the physical book. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of schools are actually changing to Chrome. Yeah, so this would be amazing. The fact that I've got this nine-year-old laptop sitting at home, I haven't fired up in a year and a half. I'm going to wipe that sucker out, put this on there, and it'd be like... Because part of the issue is the computer has all his games and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, you know, we walk out of the room to go do something and come back. It's like, oh, that's Minecraft. That's not math. You know, yes. so it'd be nice to have... Okay, there's that. But it'd be nice to have a computer where none of those apps are on there, yeah. but we it's know he can your, still do his work. work. Yeah, and, and from one computer to the next, it's the same yes. documents. Yeah. It's the same that's, spreadsheets. That's it's the same the everything. I love, especially because my school does... We do use the Google Docs, right? Yep. So I can... Do my homework like on the fly on my sure. phone with my Google Docs. I can be on this. And then this, switch over to your laptop. And this is Linux, right? No problems. I can just pop on into Chrome. Put Cloud Ready on that. And I could. You could. What else do you use this for? You use That's, it for Discord? You use it for Google Docs? That's it. <laughs> Anything else? That, Email, no. maybe? Gmail? I, well, yeah, Gmail. Gmail. Yeah. So do That's it. All. I can totally do that on this. One sure. of the things I love about the whole scenario, talking about how it's like the same from computer to computer to computer. Let's say that one crashed and you had cloud ready on it. Okay? Right. It's still all in the cloud. All your docs, all your mm. images, all that stuff. Right. So you haven't lost anything, even if that crashed or got stolen. Nobody has access to it because the files aren't on it. So even if yeah. they steal it, they don't have access to your files. But... You can then take the replacement one, install Cloud Ready on it, log in, boom, your files, everything is back right where it was. Your mm-hmm. uh, applications, everything. See, that's perfect. Okay. Now, done. kids I've, are fighting over the computers. Move on to that. Exactly. Cloud Ready computer. Now, can this be installed on something like a Pi? No. Okay. X86 only. Oh, okay. So it has to be x86 platform. Okay. Um, they recommend four gigs of RAM or more. Okay. It will run on two gigs of RAM, but you're not going to get the best performance. So I'd recommend right. stick with four gigs mm-hmm. or more. It's actually a really green option because really, if you're sitting around with just old hardware, eventually it's Why just going it to be e-waste, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. and now it won't be. You can really <laughs> extend the life of. You can take any- that e-waste and breathe new life into it. Exactly. For sure. I love it. Check it out. Again, just a reminder for you, neverwear.com, and it's free for you. Sasha, we've got to head over to your newsroom. Are you ready for it? I sure am. All right. <laughs> I can't do an accent. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. A side channel leak in Intel Skylake and Cavi Lake chips allow attackers to pilfer crypto keys, and the issue probably affects AMD CPUs too. Iran apparently infiltrated the communication network of CIA agents who allowed their secret websites used to exchange messages with informants to be crawled by Google. Several popular verified Twitter accounts have been hacked by scammers to promote an ad using Tesla boss Elon Musk's name and likeness. And one of our favorite SBC makers is now making an affordable Linux-powered smartphone and tablet with KDE Plasma, and we have the inside scoop. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yeah, man. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. A side channel leak of Intel Skylake and Cavi Lake chips allow attackers to pilfer crypto keys, and the issue probably affects AMD CPUs too. Over the past 11 months, the processors running our computers, and in some cases phones, have, been, have succumbed to a host of attacks. The exploits threaten to siphon some of our most sensitive secrets, say passwords or cryptographic keys, out of the silicone micro architecture in ways that can't be detected or stopped by traditional security defenses. On Friday, researchers disclosed yet another leak that has already been shown to exist on a range of a wide range of Intel chips and may also and also other makers too. Port Smash, as the new attack is being called, exploits a largely overlooked side channel in Intel's hyper-threading technology. A proprietary implementation of simultaneous multi-threading, hyper-threading reduces the amount of time needed to carry out parallel computing tax tasks in which a large number of calculations or executions are carried out simultaneously. The performance boost is the result of two logical processors processor cores sharing the hardware of a single physical processor. The added logical cores make it easier to divide larger tasks into smaller ones that can be completed more quickly. In a paper scheduled for release soon, researchers document how they were able to exploit the newly discovered leak to recover an elliptic curve private key from a server running in an open SSL powered TLS server. The attack, which was carried out on servers running Intel Skylake and Cabby Lake chips and Ubuntu, worked by sending one logical core a steady stream of instructions and carefully measuring the time it took for them to get executed. The specific timing allowed Port Smash to deduce the key being processed in another logical core of the same processor.
The researchers feel remote login scenarios are the biggest targeted threat. In this scenario, malicious use with user with credentials logs in via SSH, for example, then compiles the exploit code and runs it to extract information from other processes running in parallel. Port Smash currently poses a threat mainly to people using computers or services that allow untrusted people to use the same physical processor. These users should pay close attention to the research and carefully consider the recommendation for the time being. The risk is for others is likely low, but that could change more with more research. Hmm, okay. So, if you remote into my computer, am I at risk? If I? Yeah. Do you no. trust me? Well, yes, I trust you. There you go. Okay. Okay. So, if somebody calls me and remotes into my computer, because well, then, they say oh, yeah, I'm at, yeah, they say your computer is at risk. Then that has to do with like spear phishing campaigns and, right. and attacks where people trick you into giving them access. Right. That's a different thing because that's something that you have fallen for. Okay. So if if I call you up and I pretend I'm from Microsoft and I say yeah I'm, I detected a virus on your computer and I can remote in and fix it for you, as not Robbie like as Robbie you know you can trust me but if I was that Microsoft person, and right. you fell for it, and you gave me access, you're basically done for. You've right. given them access. It's like people say, I had an antivirus. I don't understand how I got a virus. Well, did you say yes when it prompted you? Are you sure you want to run this? Right. Okay? Right. <clears throat> so if you authorize that, that's a bad scenario. You have given access. So this case. With this case. With this particular type of exploit, what it allows to happen is that parallelized tasks, so services that are running in parallel on a single CPU, so a single computer processor, can then be grabbed by an unauthorized task. Okay, so okay. let me give you a scenario. Yes. I have a server. This is a scenario. This is not reality. I have a server and I want to become a web host. Okay. So I've put my server on the internet. I've co-located it somewhere. I've got firewalls in it. I know what I'm doing. I've got Apache installed. I've got MariaDB installed, and I'm ready to rent out some space. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of power. It's got a lot of storage space. Jeff wants to build a website, so he brings it to me and says, I want to put it on your web server. And I say, okay, I'll set you up an account. Boom, boom, boom. Your software is installed. Your website is good to go. It's up. Right. Now, Sasha comes to me, and you say, okay, I, I want to do a blog. So, okay, okay I've installed, uh, all right, we've set up your software. Now, Sasha's got her blog set up. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe Blow user over here calls me up and says, okay, I'm ready to build my, my thing. I want to install this. So, okay, here you go. Boom, 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 boom. You're all set up. Now, we've got three people in a multi-tenant environment who all have access to the same physical hardware. But typically and traditionally... And in my secure environment, you only have access to your files exactly. and your things. You only have ac access to your things. But what we don't realize is that Joe Blow user over here has written some software to allow him to access the stuff that's going on on yours. Right. Right. So on your website, I didn't know, but you're actually selling some software on your website. And so you use cryptography to convert the credit card numbers that are passing through your site into um, encrypted data. Right. So now this Joe Blow user can grab that decryption, oh. grab that credit card information that's passing through. This is a theoretical. 
but this can is... now grab that information that they should have no right to access because it's running on the same computer, on the same processor mm-hmm. that typically each user would not have access to each other's things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But now, because they've got this exploit, they can access that data, that decryption, that those, those codes that otherwise they should not have access to. Mm-hmm. That can be used for man-in-the-middle attacks. Right. That can be used for, uh, for data theft, uh, for financial theft, for cryptocurrency theft, for identity theft. Did I say that yet? For any number of... Basically attacks. theft. Yeah. <laughs> any, any information that passes through that server now can be exploited that is susceptible to that type of exploit. So you wow. would know that you are at risk if... This is where the research has not been officially announced in such a capacity yet where we understand what we need to do. Right. Okay. Okay? So what we do need to do is, at this point, be diligent in that I need to say as that web host, hmm, that Joe Blow user is doing something weird. The CPU usage keeps skyrocketing, but it's some process that I don't recognize, and their website is nothing. So I don't understand. So you sort of... But would most hosts watch for that? Good hosts will. Right. Okay, fair enough. Okay. And I say that, like, like I think about DreamHost, for example, Mm. which would be a a prime example where this kind of thing could be used to attack because users have SSH access. Yeah. And they have very strict environments set up for for VPS and for, Mm -hmm. uh, for compartmentalizing individual tasks. Not only users, but tasks. So that they're sandboxed in and of themselves. Because that's what they do. That's their thing. Yeah. But they're not me, the Joe Blow user who... Uh, I'm not the Joe Blow user. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that user. I'm the right. guy who has a server and wants to rent out some space. Right. Or share it with my friends or share it with other people and sell some space. So... Okay. Very simple scenarios to give an example that makes sense, I think. Yes. But could be any number of things <laughs> and when there's more research we'll know some more oh absolutely yes. yeah and this is a scenario where i'm saying okay well i've granted access keep in mind somebody could hack into ssh yeah right somebody could hack into your ssh account if you've got a wide open server with no firewall like csf lfd that's watching for failed login attempts and then blocking ip addresses mm-hmm. thousands of those in the past couple of weeks i've had thousands of those whacking away at my server hmm. Five attempts, you're blocked. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how it should be. Hmm. Okay. Iran apparently infiltrated the communication network of CIA agents who allowed their secret websites used to exchange messages with informants to be crawled by Google. The communication leak was believed to have stemmed from a simple Google search. Suspecting the U.S. had agents and sources within its nuclear program, Iran began to hunt for the mole. After a double agent showed Iran's government one of the sites, they were then able to use Google to identify other sites the Intel Intel agency was using and began to intercept the communication. Essentially, each of the websites had common elements between them that were found using Google searches. Identify one common element, identify all the sites using that material to link them up. 
The report from Yahoo News states because Google is continuously scraping the internet for information about all the world's websites, it can function as a tremendous investigative tool even for counter espionage purposes. Once Iran was able to track down the sites, their techniques were given to other friendly countries who in turn used the information to weed out the CIA's communication channels in their own territories as well. Sadly, this has led to the capture and execution of at least 30 agents. Wow. An official quoted in the report claims the agency had become too reliant on the system, which was originally intended to only be a temporary communication cha channel and had left the relatively insecure site up far longer than intended and used it to send information that should have been reserved for more secure channels. The official says the issue was that it was working well for too long with too many people. A defense contractor for the CIA claims that he warned the agency that it was using insecure communication systems in 2008 and again in 2010 when he started suspecting the channels had been cracked. A year later, he was sidelined and fired by the agency, a move that he claims was retaliation for not shutting up. Oh, my. This is a really sad story because it's impacted human lives sure. in exactly. such a, you know, a broad way. At the same time... I, and I want to be careful how I say this, I feel like this has been a common news theme where there's been some sort of a military mess up with technology that's resulted in private information going out there. Like it was what, about a year ago that um, there was cell phones uh, for a secret military base that mm -hmm. was, people were using, um, Fitbit. yeah, Fitbit. Mm -hmm. And it was yes. tracking where they were running and all of a sudden you're getting all this data in this one spot in the middle of the desert. It's like, you would think that this kind of stuff would be on the forefront of their minds when it comes to security. It's but maybe it's so easy to overlook. So like, comfortable is the problem. I think people are super comfortable with the technology that they use. And it, it's, I think the secure sites probably mirror the insecure sites so easily that you just imagine security in it, right? I think right. that the communication techniques probably, and I don't know what they are for the CIA, but I think that the communication channels that they would use that are secure mimic the ones that they would use that are insecure to make people feel comfortable with the cross, mm -hmm. right? right? So so it gives you a false sense of security when you're using the insecure communication cha channels. You wouldn't know that you were putting yourself at risk in any way. It's up to the CIA's, I think. I think if you're a secret operative, yeah. you're going to know that whatever communication method you're using, there is, whether secure or not, there's always a, a risk to it. But I mean, like, I think about back when Obama got elected as president of the U mm -hmm. uh, United States, he wanted his BlackBerry. And that was a fight for like six months mm -hmm. that the Secret Service said, no, you're not getting a BlackBerry because it's not secure enough, even though BlackBerry was crazy secure. And they ended up creating, and I remember it was coined, it was called the Brockberry. Mm -hmm. Because the, the Secret Service made their own cell okay. phone for Barack Obama to use. But, I mean, that's going back, what, 10 years now? Yeah. Well, so is this system. Well, yeah. That's the thing. 10 years ago, someone was saying internally that this is not safe. This is not secure. Right. But in any workplace, including the CIA, Secret Services... Is everyone a computer geek? And no, a, of And a not. computer tech? No. I mean, unlike the movies, which will make us think that every operative can hack every system, right. it's not the case. No, it's not. We're all 
individual people with our yeah. own experiences and our own capabilities. And so mm-hmm. to put that expectation that the individual operatives should know better than to use a system that's unsecure, that's not fair to put it on them. Yeah. What is fair is to say, well, okay, first of all, those operatives trust that the infrastructure that's in place by their employer, and in this case the government, is secure. Mm-hmm. They trust that that is the case. And no questions asked. Yeah. But it does lead to, and I mean, this is like kind of going out there, but the fact that, you know, it's being, you know, tracked by Google, and that's the big issue here, and that's what led to it. The fact that we live in in this tech world where nothing is private anymore. Like, everything you do on your cell phone, everything you do on your computer, like, your data mined a thousand ways from Sunday. And, I mean, heck, what is it? Facebook's got 57,000 different categories on you just on the way that you use it is it reasonable to expect that there's going to be a way to completely block off from the world any sort of data mining if you're a hermit a disconnected hermit that's the the only but that's it you'd have to be disconnected if you're using tech you're somehow going to give that information off the problem isn't that that there isn't privacy the problem is that you're led to believe it's private when it's not like you say you you're led to feel trust for the system exactly when you really ought to know that anything you say or do on your computer or phone is totally traceable totally trackable the difference is i would assume that with a cia agent that they would be given a special device and they would have you know some level of encryption or some magic but that's not this this issue is the fact that google was just tracking it Right. It was indexing it. Yeah. As mm-hmm. simple as that. That's all it which was. Happens, and so this was an online system. So what should they do? Intranet. Is the Go dark, old yeah. dark web a thing? Is that a real yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. really yeah. But, so but then you're thing. susceptible to that. But an yeah. intranet would be only accessible by their people, or at least a VPN. Right. Something that, you know, how can Google access this to index it in the first place because it's on a forward-facing server that's accessible and they do that because they want their people to be able to access it when they're at home and when they're in the field and when they're overseas and you don't want to have trouble accessing the communication system of Mm -hmm. course Hmm. but uh, by doing that you're opening it up to severe security exploits now i mean not knowing how that all that indexing works i mean google is just one search engine You've also got, you know, no, big no, 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 Jeff. There. Google is every search engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you've got Bing and you've got all these other. What? It's Microsoft's thing. They keep trying to get me to use Bing. It's not Chandler. <laughs> what, are you on it's Internet Explorer or something? No. Do you go on no, Bing no, and anyway, search Google? And no, 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 no. Okay, anyway, well, I guess what I but how, like, how could they block all indexing servers? I mean, there's crawl bots everywhere. No, they can't. If it's forward-facing. So if my, com- if my server that runs that service is accessible on the internet, so this is an internet-connected network, mm. an interconnected network of computers, okay? Um, it needs to be a private network. So VPN, right. when I say VPN, that's a virtual yeah, okay. private network, or an intranet, which is an internal network. Mm-hmm those would not be accessible from the outside yeah, world true. unless you had the credentials in order to access them. So my device could have VPN access to our VPN, but Google would not be able to access it because Google does not have access to our VPN. Right. So that would then prevent those kinds of things. So more, we, we've got to move on, I know, but mm-hmm. more emphasis has to be put on that individual who in, in 
the IT end of things said, we've got to do something here. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to listen to those IT people. Exactly. Yep. When I say to you that you need to have an offsite backup solution for your work, because if you ever had a fire and you don't have that drive offsite, right. you've lost all your patient data. Yes. Right. You need to listen to me. That's a serious thing. Right. And you have, and she's got a good backup. It's true. Okay? <laughs> but you have to listen to those folks that are giving you those warnings because we're not all computer nerds. <laughs> Outside of this room. Uh, I was going to say, I love how your face is kind of like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) We can't all, let's reword, we can't can't. all be computer nerds. There you go. (laughs) If you know one, listen to them. Yeah, they're smart. Several popular verified Twitter accounts have been hacked by scammers to promote an ad using Tesla boss Elon Musk's name and likeness. British fashion retailer Madeline, film distributor Path UK, and U.S. publisher Pantheon Books were among those whose accounts were taken over by scam artists. The scam used promoted tweets where Twitter is paid by advertisers to make a tweet appear to a wider audience. Scammers targeted several verified accounts, denoted with a blue tick, and changed the name and image to that of Mr. Musk. The tweet then urged users to part with a small amount of Bitcoin, a digital currency, to supposedly receive more. Several other verified accounts, which were also taken under the scam artist's control, appeared in the tweet's comments to claim that they have received Bitcoin from Mr. Musk. By using accounts with Twitter's own verification mark, again a blue tick, it makes the, acu- the ap- account appear more legitimate at first glance and thus may fool the reader into thinking that it's official. The scam is made to seem more trustworthy as various other compromised accounts reply to the tweet claiming that it works. But many of the posts still bear the hallmarks of a classic scam including frequent spelling errors like Bitcoin and Saput and a request for money. The account handle itself is also incorrect. A legitimate tweet from Elon Musk would read at Elon Musk beside the blue tick. In this case, it reads at Path UK, the account originally belonging belonging to the film distributor Pat Path UK. The tweets have since been deleted with many accounts recovered, though some were left blank while waiting for their owners to re-enter their name and profile picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so totally off topic, but on topic, Elon Musk wasn't breaking SEC rules when he announced the deal. It was a spam. Oh, ah! <laughs> you should have right. thought of that, Mr. Musk. That's, That's right. true. Yeah. I know really nothing about Twitter other than some people really use it more than I would. Um, but a blue tick, is that all it takes? Well, a, the blue tick denotes that it is an official account. So when you see Elon Musk and it has a blue tick, you think that is officially Elon Musk because that we have been right. I, we talk so about the complacency we we start to trust what we're used to so i i trust that i see it i trust blue, it the blue tick means that's yeah. a verified account but it's no different Twitter than has going verified it. it's no different than going on facebook and finding out that you know robbie ferguson has tried to add me over five different accounts and the one robbie ferguson has all male friends the other robbie ferguson has all female friends the other robbie ferguson has no it's the friends same kind of trick exactly but this is a smart scam because that right. blue tick does make me feel like that is a legitimate account twitter themselves have confirmed that is indeed the arnold schwarzenegger 
That's why the blue tick is there. So in this case, what they've done, so let's say you have a blue tick because you are absolutely I am Sasha for Rickman. sure Sasha Rickman, so blue tick. Blue tick. And it only happens for famous people. So I don't have a blue tick. But let's pretend I did. Yeah. Robbie Ferguson has a blue tick. That's a problem. You gotta be Jeff is a nerd. hacker. Jeff is a hacker. Who do I need to be? You need to be bald nerd. You're the number bald one nerd. bald then nerd. I, I then you get a blue tick. <laughs> I, get, uh, I am the bald nerd. Trademark <laughs> registered. Um, so you have a blue tick as Sasha Rickman. Yes. I have a blue tick as Robbie Ferguson. Jeff is a hacker who wants to trick you into thinking that um, Elon Musk is saying, Take my money. Send me your, mo- your money and right. I will send you something else. So you hack my account. You've never touched Elon Musk's account. Those who think that Elon Musk was hacked are wrong. Right. You hacked my account. I have an official tick because I'm Robbie Ferguson, but I had a stupid password, and so I was easy to compromise. One, two, three, four, five, six. So you've password, hacked me. One, two, three. You've put Elon Musk's picture on my profile, and you've renamed my profile where it used to say Robbie Ferguson. It now says Elon Musk. I still have the blue tick. Right. So now I send a tweet, you send a tweet as my account with the blue tick and I'm Elon Musk. And it looks legitimately at first glance, unless you scrutinize it, it looks like it's Elon Musk. I would like to know how and why these scam artists are so bad at grammar and spelling. Because that is always but the thing. But they don't care. But, but who? Is I guess people... Is it trademark? Is it like... This is their calling card? Yeah, like... Saput this! If you want Bitcoin... Bitcoin. Yeah, they want Bitcoin. They don't want Bitcoin. Send me Send some me Bitcoin. Bitcoin, please. How is it any currency. different? I mean, like, was it last week, there was a massive raid in India for all of those CRA scams. You know, when you get... This sure. is the CRA. We have a warrant for your arrest. Here in Canada. Yeah, this is a big the one. going. And, and, and there's agency. people that are calling back and go, here's my credit card. And it's yeah. people who are not savvy to this stuff but mm-hmm. how is it any different i mean if they scam one out of a thousand people and they get oh, a sure. thousand no, bucks, they got bitcoin. who cares they got a lot of bitcoin i guess yeah. yeah. oh i'm sure they did I, people were trusting those blue ticks and sending their bitcoin everywhere so to take it one step further just to <laughs> just wrap, up the, wrap up the discussion so we understand what happened here so he hacked my account made mm-hmm. it look like elon musk elon musk now tweeted with the check and then you also got hacked so jeff has hacked you and he has a blue tick as who's who's legit Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Bill and Gates. Blue tech. You are now right. Bill Gates with okay. his picture. So and now I Bill say, Gates responds to Elon Musk's tweet and says, I did it. And it worked and it for worked. me. Uh, it sent, he, I it, did it, it and you can too. So now Elon Musk <laughs> and Bill Gates with the blue tick on each of their little tweet says, right. thumbs up, do this, send Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah. Send, send your Bitcoin today. <laughs> Uh. One of our favorite SBC makers is now making an affordable Linux-powered smartphone and tablet with KDE Plasma, and we have the inside scoop. Following the demise of Ubuntu Phone, Purism's Librem 5 seems like the next big thing in the budding world of Linux smartphones. Purism has already partnered with big names like GNOME and KDE, and we can expect the device to start shipping in April 2019. That said, it seems like another hardware vendor is looking to develop its own Linux smartphone, and it's a company we already know and love. Pine64 is working to create inexpensive Linux-based based smartphones and tablets. KDE Neon creator Jonathan Riddell revealed this at Open Source Summit Europe Edition. Pine64 founder TL Lim confirmed to its 
to its FOSS that the devices are called PinePhone and PineTab. Pine64 community admin Wukas Erikzinski tells us that early that the early PinePhone development kits have been already sent to key developers. Active development should start next week. The Pine tab is almost complete and is awaiting relevant software support. For the Pine phone, while the details won't officially be announced until FOSDEM in February, here's what we know. It runs Linux. There will be support from more than two different major projects on launch. It has a 1440 by 720 p IPS panel panel screen and sleek modern design features. The front and back cameras are 5 megapixels each. They're aiming for higher end production materials with hopes of a Gorilla Glass sandwich with glass on both the front and back of the Pine phone. Pine64 plans to implement a better I.O. into the Pine phone than is available on most commercially available phones and the design is modular allowing the swapping and upgrading of components such as the LTE capabilities. The Pine phone will be priced between $150 and $179 US and will be available barring any unexpected delays as early as late 2019. There isn't a lot of information available about PineTab just yet as it's still being developed and the official announcement will go out at FOSDEM next year as well, but what we do know is it has a 720p IPS panel and is built for education and budget use with a target price of about $100 US. One cool feature we can reveal about the PineTab is that it includes a magnetic keyboard that connects to the PineTab with pogo pins to USB and doubles as a protective cover. Sweet. Yeah! 150 bucks. I can do this. I, mean, I love it. I love Pine 64. They make some really great products. We've looked at like the A64, A64 LTS, um, and the Rock Pro, the Rock right. 64. I mean, they make single board computers, much like the Raspberry Pi, mm -hmm. but much more powerful. Right. Right. You know how the Pine, like the Pine, kind of look for their computers is like the two sandwich kind of glass with yes, the, the plexi. Right. So I'm yeah. picturing like my, my new phone that I'm gonna get. <laughs> this is what so, you're this is what you're seeing in your mind's eye. Right. Holding a, an A sixty four plus. Right. So I'm picturing when they said gorilla glass sandwich, I'm picturing like That's the phone it? is there and then like there there's the two cases and then there's oh like my. the little like I know that you'll make it fancier than what I'm picturing, but <laughs> it's incredible because I just picture it's like so unique the design of the actual Pine sixty four computers. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what the phone looks like see i Cannot like wait. i like this idea what i'm wondering though is in a in an open market and i and i say that term loosely like mm -hmm. the united states where there's so much ability for competition yes you don't have that kind of market in canada you've got the three major cell phone providers that mm -hmm. basically like set their own marketability as okay. far as cell phones. Mm -hmm. How is this kind of phone going to make its way into Canada? Because the cell phone company... I'll companies tell you how, sir. How? You're going to see it on Category 5 TV. We're going to tell you that it's unlocked, that you can use it with any of the major phone providers. Okay, but will you be able to buy it in store or strictly Why through... Would you buy Why would you need to? No, no, but this is the thing. If you want to get mass market sale, you need to get into the stores. Is that true? 
Is that true in 2019? For the, for the average consumer who's going to walk into a cell phone store, they're going to go, oh, I see my highway, I, gotta, I see my okay. Samsung, okay. I see my Google phone. I don't see a Pine 64. Nope, sorry, I need a Pine 64. Am I the average consumer? You? No, know, because you're the viewers? bald nerd. Right. You know, Are you the average consumer? Are you going to, when you know that the Pine 64 Pine phone is available? Right. Like, people will line up for phones. And, and if I really want a Pine phone, which I do. Right. <laughs> which I do. Yes. I'm going to get it. And yeah. I'm going to order it online. And I'm going to insert my SIM card, and I'm going to use it. Yeah. And that's going to be it. And it's cheaper than me getting on a contract well, with I, my provider. I agree. I totally agree. And go for that, as you go. Yeah, for that reason, like, I'm all over it. But exactly. I think most people, they're going to go, ooh, this deal's going on right now at X cell phone company. I don't and they're know. not going to think yeah. that way. I, 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 I don't I, like I don't to know. generalize it, Jeff. I and I like, to, I like to give the consumers more credibility than that in that when, because we shop around now. We don't walk yeah. into a kiosk and say, mm -hmm. what do you recommend? What's the one thing you have? What's the one that you recommend? <laughs> yeah. Because I know I'm just going to get swindled. Right. That's the world that we live sure. in. No, I do research and I look at reviews online. If they can get these on Amazon, they are going to get blasted with five-star reviews that tell all about how yeah. great the Pine phone is right. and the Pine tab, inevitably. People and I hope, that's I hope I it plays my... out exactly like that. That's I truly it. do. I have very little faith in consumers. I, I, think I am that sorry the... for your loss. I, I just, I think, I, I think we are a bunch of sheep. Generally, we are sheep. And somebody says, go here, and that's the pasture we go to. My sheep, gather around. <laughs> yes. Call as your, your shepherd. As your shepherd, buy a pine phone when they come out. They are going to be incredible. And yes. we love their company. Yep. We want to support openness. And yes. when I say openness... Yep open platforms, open so, uh, software, and community-developed software. Yes. yes. And the ability through I.O. and through modular design to be able to do stuff that the iPhone can't do Right. They'll for be, 10 uh, times the price. There'll be no planned obsolescence in the, the Pine What planned phone? obsolescence? Yeah. When you can just take exactly. out the LTE and put in the new one. Uh, okay. This is great. Okay, then, okay, here's my argument to seal the deal. Okay. How are you going to... This is not bashing the phone, but if it's only five megapixel camera, how are you going to get all those selfie socialites doing their duck face on five megapixels as opposed to the 12 megapixels? They're going to be like, my duck face isn't as good. If I was buying a phone for the camera, for the camera, then I might want to see some sample images. Right. Which we will provide. Right. Which we will provide. I will be part of this unboxing. There we go. I will test the phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Happily. A week of selfies. I will. Uh, <laughs> okay, firstly, I didn't even know a selfie was called a selfie for a long time. I thought it was called a facey. So I feel like I should not be the selfie person. I got a five megapixel facey phone. <laughs> Fantastic. A facey. So uh, I, should, I will be the one. Is there going to be a pre-buy? I don't know yet. Like we'll I know after Fostem. Oh, I want to know if there's a pre-buy because so many people like they want a pre-buy. I would love to pre-buy on this. What we do know is that there are some development units that have been manufactured and shipped. Yep. There will be more development units that will be manufactured and shipped. And then at Fostem, we will know more. Right. This is in February of 2019. I can't so. wait till February. That's so soon. It's almost February. So there will be units available in the community, like the community members and developers in particular, select developers will have access to these and we'll start to learn more. So I have to wait four months. We have to wait.
That's for as hard as that just is. Just four more rent payments. And I can't wait. <laughs> four more rent payments. Yes, exactly. And it'll happen fast. We can go on and on about Pine stuff. Keep up the great work. Pine yes. 64. Thank I you so am very much excited about this. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. I hope you've had as much fun as we have, or even just a fraction of the fun that we've had, and then it would be the best night ever. That's True right. story. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Great to have these two by my side. Jeff, great to see you again. I know. I'm Lots glad to be back. back. Are I, you back next week? No. What? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm out in the bush next week. Are you? What are you doing? Hunting. Where? Are you uh, going back to the States? No, but uh, an hour and a half from here, over Bancroft area. Oh, okay. Bancroft. All right. Yep. Taking out the whitetail. I wish you no luck at all. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Have a marvelous week. Have a great time. Thank you. Regardless of everything else. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll see you again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.